We're going to be going through Luke chapter 18, and we've been going through Luke for a while now. We've been going through it for a couple years, and why we're going through Luke is that we believe that the Bible is everything. It's the source of life. Um, it's, it's the source of encouragement. It's the source of direction. And Luke, when he wrote the book of Luke, uh, he wrote it as a physician. So he crossed every T. He dotted every I. Like he was art- articulate in what he said about Jesus and how Jesus walked this earth as a human. And as a church and as a human being, I say, sign me up for that. I, wanna, I want to pattern my life after the life of Jesus Christ. And our church What a way to start a church, right? To stay focused on who Jesus is and to not depart from that. So we've been going through Luke uh, uh, for the last couple years. There's a lot of Bible, by the way. There's a lot of Bible. 66 books, is that right? A whole lot of pages, a whole lot of words. We're not going to get through the whole Bible this year. We don't intend to. We're going to keep going through it little by little. And we're going we're gonna to let the truth of, sp- of Scripture come out and change our lives. So we're not in a rush to get through this. It is life-giving, and we don't want to miss anything that God is showing us today. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 18. We're going to read 17 verses today, and I got to tell you, I'm excited for the message this week. If you were here last week, that was a difficult message. If you were here the week before, that was a difficult message. You know, just soft stuff that we've been talking about, like divorce, money, hell, stuff like that. Like really, I mean, you know, just casual conversation kind of stuff. And so when we land in chapter 18, I started going, thank you God for this verse and this section today. So let me read through these 18 verses and then we're going to go back through and we're just going to just kind of see what God can do with these verses. So Luke chapter 18, verse one, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither, neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary, verse four. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And, I will not, and, and, and will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Okay, I said we're going to go through 18 verses, and we'll go through 18, but we're going to stop right there, uh, because I believe there's so much that, that we can pull out of this. Verse 1, I think, is incredible. I kind of wish that most of the Bible started like verse 1 here, uh, because if you look at verse 1, Jesus told his disciples, so he's talking to, to followers of Christ and the people that are following him, and he, he says this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So he, he, I think the disciples were a lot like me. He's like, I'm about to tell you a story, a parable, and you're not smart enough to get it. So I'm just going to tell you what it's about, right? Verse 1, he's like, here's, here's the parable. This is what it's about. It's that you should always pray and not give up. That's what these verses are about. That we, as disciples of Christ, that we should pray and we should not give up. So as we look at this parable that, that Jesus is teaching his disciples and us today, 
We see this widow and she was wrong. And she had no one up, she had no one to speak up for her. The Israelite community um, had, when you had an injustice done against you, then you would go before the judge and, and the judge would hear your case and they would be able to, you know, respond and act accordingly. But this widow woman had no one to speak up for her. And, and not only that, this person, this judge, if we, if we look down, he was unjust and he was an unbelieving judge. Huh. So the person that she could go and, 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 and ask for help and ask for justice, he's there. He has the authority for some reason. He has the spiritual authority. He can speak into the lives and he can, and, and he can do change. He can cause change and justice. But we see that even this judge was unjust and just and did not fear God. I like, though, as how she came to him. She came to him. She was broken. She was at her end, and she came for justice. How many of you today believe that God loves you? How many of you believe today that God hears you? This widow was broken. It reminds me of Psalms 68, verse 5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy place. For some of us, that's such an encouragement, isn't it? That God is a defender. He's there, he hears, and he's not the unjust judge. And I want to warn us as we look at this parable, sometimes when we look at parables, parables contain truth, absolute truth. They contain truth. However, we need to be careful not to extrapolate too much truth from this parable. See, in this parable, if we were to just read through it and not really look at it, some of us may see that, think that God is this unjust judge in this parable. God is not this unrighteous judge who doesn't care about us or about this woman. That's not what this parable is saying. I've prayed persistently, fervently for things in my life. Have you? I, I, can, I can think of times that, that I would pray fervently day in and day out for friends that, that may be dying. And I've had friends die of cancer. Like things in life where it's just like in my bones and I've been praying to God, like, God, can you hear me? And sometimes his answers have been no. And I've lost my friend to cancer or whatever it was that I was praying for. But sometimes, I remember one time when, when about praying fervently, we had friends in, in Houston, Texas, the Molographs, and, and they had a son, Caleb, that was born, and I mean, just hours, hours old, and this young guy was just fighting for his life, and I remember showing up to the hospital with my friend Hans, and just praying, just praying fervently, like, God, God, can you heal this little boy? And he did. And I say, amen. But is God unjust in, in the no? Is he unjust in the yes? God is true and God is faithful. God does not change. But sometimes when God says no to our prayers, it's our limited view of God that makes us look at him like he's the unjust judge. Oh, yeah, but God, you didn't, you didn't heal my friend of cancer, my, my family member. You didn't do this thing. And so we look at God, and it's our limited view of him. And we begin to point at him and saying, God, you are an unjust God. 
And then when we get to that point, it's easy to say, since you're an unjust God, you don't care about me, and I'm not going to care about you. And we begin to get bitter. Our hearts begin to get hard towards God. So the question for us is, do we serve God, or are we asking God to serve us? And it's a very good question. Are we serving God, or do we ask God to serve us? My prayers are not always his will. Let me give you a couple Bible verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We cannot fully understand God. He is God and I am not. He is God. Yet God says to be persistent and to ask. He says to continually ask, continually pray, continue to do this. Yet we come across things like this. Malachi 3.6. Malachi 3.6 says, I the Lord do not change. Psalms 139.4 says this. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And so we, we seek God and he's saying, pray consistently, fervently, continue, don't give up. And, and we see in Malachi and Psalms that God says, I do not change, I am holy, I am just. And so why do we pray? We see things in scripture that might confuse us a little bit, like Abraham. In Genesis 18 and 19, Abraham, he fights for Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, God, please don't destroy this city. And he fights, and it seems like he's, he's like working with God, like making, striking up a deal with God. We even see King Hezekiah. His life is extended 15 years in 2 Kings 20, verses 1 through 7. So it seems like God is here and and he's willing to deal with us. Is this right? Like God's asking us, hey, pray, pray continually. Don't forget, I'm God. I, I don't move. I don't change. Like this is who I am. And yet he's saying pray continually. And we see in the Old Testament these guys and these men, these women that would pray. And it seemed like God changed his mind. So why, why do we pray and what do we do with this? This is a, this is a good thing. I believe. And scripture teaches, God incorporates our prayers as a means by which he accomplishes accomplishes his purposes. God takes our prayers, he incorporates our prayers as a means by which he accomplishes his purposes. So if we look at verse 8, verse 8 says this, I tell you, he will see that, that they get justice. And quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, question for us. Will he find faith on the earth? Do not stop praying, church. God hears and God knows. He says, pray continually. And it's through those prayers. I'm going to use those prayers to accomplish my will and what I have for your life. And prayer is just getting your heart with, aligned with my heart. And I'm going to do incredible things. Sometimes I'm going to say no. Sometimes I'm going to say yes. But I'm God and I love you. And I'm working everything for your good. For my name's sake. God loves us, church. And so if you're sitting here today and you're at a place where you're a little bitter at God because that thing you prayed for, that, that, that person you prayed for to get healed, they, they didn't get healed. 
or that prayer wasn't answered. I ask you, I say, would you continue to pray? Would you continue to talk to God? He wants to even heal you in those moments of pain and discomfort. And there's some things about God that are so big and so grand that we just have to say, God, you are God and I am not. And I trust you with my life. I trust you with the outcome of this. We've probably all in our life seen bad things turned into good, miraculous, awesome growth. The book of James talks about this. That we mature when trials come our way. Church, God is looking at us and he's saying, please pray. And pray continually. Don't stop. Look at this widow. What did she do? She kept praying. May we be a people and a church aligned with his will, his way, and his purposes. If our life is aligned off of God and his will, will, way, and purposes, if our church is like that, I say amen and watch out northern Colorado because we're going to start to see life change everywhere that we go. Do you believe in that? Well, that was a trick because this Wednesday we have first Wednesday. A time where we come together from 6 to 7 o'clock at night and we eat in this room. And it's loud because there's kids running around and food going everywhere. It's almost like a food fight. It's great. (laughs) Building relationships and talking, being honest, being the church over food. And then from 7 to 8, we turn and we say, God, we want to see your face. We want to pray. We want to pray for Greeley. We want to pray for our church. Like we want to pray. We are a church that's going to be built off of prayer. I ask you, join us on First Wednesday this week. Like make it a priority. Church, let's come together and let's seek the face of God. Let's go to verse 9. I'm going to read verses 9 through 14. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on, uh, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Again, he sets it up. He's saying why he's telling this parable. I love it. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am like, not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, Cowboys fans. Sorry, Carl. If I said Broncos, dude, I would have been killed. Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Good for you. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Grandpa Havens, right up, right up here. I get to meet with him weekly. I, I missed this week's meeting because I was at a retreat with my daughter's school. 
And so I missed our Tuesday meeting, and, and I was very sad to miss this Tuesday meeting because he's been asking me for two years, and he may have asked some of you in this room for two years, are you a sinner or are you a saint? And he's been working on a message for two years, and I was trying to get him up here to teach today, but we'll get him up here soon. But he, he asked this question, are you a sinner or are you a saint? And how you view yourself is how you're going to live your life. If you walk around and think, I am a, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, you're going to operate out of that. You're going to operate, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. But if you walk around like the tax guy, I'm a saint. Or like the Pharisee, sorry, I said it backwards. You're going to walk around like this. So I'm not going to answer this question. I'm just, I'm just posing that right now. But I want to walk through these verses right here. Proverbs 16, 18 is a warning I think about daily. It says this, pride goes before destruction. Have you ever experienced this in your life? Like pride comes before you're about to fall. There's this new game called spike ball. And I like to trash talk about spike ball because I'm getting pretty good at it. Like I I love trash talking about spike ball. But inevitably what's going to happen is when I begin to talk trash about spike ball, Chad Harning is going to spike it in my face and make me be just embarrassed. Like pride comes before destruction. Like have you found this true in your life? The moment where you think I'm the man, I'm the woman, I got this. What's going to happen next? Surely no one ever here has ever been so full of pride that they think themselves better than anyone else. I mean, surely not. You know, as we pull up to that intersection and there's that homeless person, surely you don't think that you're better than that person. So I know we're all above pride in this room, except me. I struggle with pride every single day. This Pharisee, as people there, they, they, there's, people see this Pharisee as the holy law-keeping man. Like he's the holy law-keeping man. And he prays because he is expected to. He prays out of ritual. He prays out of habit. Like this is what he's supposed to do. But notice his prayer. What's his prayer? He prays about himself to God. The Pharisee prays about himself to God. God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. So he's talking to God about himself. He's full of pride about himself and he's talking to God about himself. The tax collector. People see this tax collector as a traitor, apostate, defector, cheater. I mean, a tax collector in this time means they would, take, they would take local people, Jewish people in Rome would hire them and, and they would say, you know, take money away from, from your people in taxes and oh yeah, take some off the top for yourself to live off of and then give it to Rome. And so if you're in that area, you're looking at a tax collector, just this is, this is a traitor. Why, why would you do this? <laughs> Yet the tax collector, look at his prayer. Look at his heart posture. He is grieved over his own condition as a sinner. Notice, he, he won't even look up. He won't even look up. He's grieved as his condition as a sinner. Romans 10.13 and Acts 2.21 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, since we're in this meeting today, hello, I'm Aaron Havens, a saint, 
saved from sin. By the grace of God, a saint saved from sin. And I thank God for that grace. I thank God because I'm full of pride. I'm I'm full of things that just go against a holy and just God. But I'm a saint because I've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he has saved me. Notice of the two, the holy, good man, Pharisee guy, professional, pastor, and then the dirty, nasty tax collector. Notice which one went home justified before God. Which one went home in verse, in verse 14? I tell you, rather this man, that tax collector, than the other went home justified before God. Because all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Only one went home justified that day. How about you today? How will you go home today? And how do you live your life? I hope and I pray that our church, as men and women and and kids, that we're running after God and we're saying, God, you are God and I am not. I am a sinner, but I'm saved by you and I thank you for that. And it makes me your saint, your son, your daughter, part of your family. And I thank you for that. Okay, let's go to verse 15 through 18 and we'll close up here. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hand on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Again, Jesus points to children as an example. And we've seen this already in Luke. Again, Jesus points to children as an example. We've seen in scripture, God always deals with the little ones, the unknown ones, the powerless ones. The world, the world we live in, the world we're we're called to operate in, this temporal world right now, seeks people of power and influence and wealth. Christ consistently seeks those who have no hope, no hope of power and position. God is continually seeking the poor, the Samaritans, the Gentiles, women, children, blind, cripple, lame, the tax collectors, the Aaron Havens. God is continually seeking to redeem Sinners, those that have no hope. These collection of 18 verses right here are beautiful. This is a gospel message. This entire thing is the gospel message. Like, if these 18 verses washed up on a shore of someone stranded on an island, they would get it, they would understand. That as humans, we're imperfect. We're imperfect. But God has died for us. And he loves us. And he wants a relationship with us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants us to be persistent. And his will is going to be done. And we are going to grow and more mature in him every day. 
if we keep our eyes focused on him and trust him for the outcome. Yet, sometimes the way it happens is we become followers of Christ. We love him. I mean, passionately, we love him. And when we go to church camps, we, we memorize Bible verses. Like, we, we start maturing to the point where we're better than everyone else. And we're full of pride. And we walk up to God like he's our homie, like we deserve it. And he has to humble us. Church, may we be a people that find our identity in Christ, knowing that we're saints, saved from sin by his grace. But we come to him with holy respect and say, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. And may we never stop communicating with God. May we be like this widow. May we always go and talk to him in prayer. I'm going to ask us right now um, just to close our Bibles and spend some time just thinking on these 18 verses. Just seeing what God can do in our hearts and in our minds in this place. Like some of us, we may have come in here a little tired, a little disillusioned, a little frustrated, a little angry, a little confused. And we've been, we've been burnt by God, we think. We've probably most definitely been burnt by Christians because they thought they were better than us or they were judging us or whatever it may be. In this room, in this place, God can heal you. He can take away that pain. He can take away that angst. He can heal whatever you're going through right now. So I'm going to ask us if we would, just close our eyes, and if you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you in submission. Just say, God, here I am. Here's my life. I want to hear you. I want to see you today. And let's spend some time just in silence and meditation, thinking on God, just talk with God. Say, God, I don't even know where to begin, um, but here's a good start. I'm open to hear from you today. Would you please speak to me? Whatever weight you came in carrying today, fear, frustration, worry, can you give that to God? Say, God, I'm, I'm so worried about how this is going to turn out. But I give it to you and I trust you, knowing, God, that you're going to work everything out for good. So God, whatever I'm carrying today that's just so heavy and worrying me, I give it to you. I ask you to take that load. It's not, I'm not strong enough to carry it on my own. I ask you to, Lord. And I trust you for the outcome. You're God and I'm not. I trust you, God.
some of us as we went through these verses. It's kind of like a punch in the face, just thinking, yeah. Slowly, pride has creeped, crept up in my life. I've become a pretty proud individual. God, would you please break us in this room? Break us for who you are? I pray that we can look on your face in awe, knowing that it's about you and not about us. God, I pray that you make us a people that come to you like a child, trusting you, seeking you. Because, God, you came to us, the broken people, held our hands, picked us up, dusted us off, and gave us a hug, and just said, I love you. God, I pray that we find our identity in that today. And we worship you out of that, out of that heart set, that mindset. Worship you because of what you've done and who you are. For some of us in this room, we, I mean, we're just here for the first time. We don't know what we think about God. I just say, be honest before God. Just ask him. Just say, God, I'm not sure who you are but I want to. Would you please begin to direct my life? Will you give me the the strength to talk to other people about who you are? My God, life living on my own, out of my own strength, has proved to be empty. And I ask you to fill me today. Church, I'm going to ask us just to remain in a time of worship. If you would, just stand. We can worship God in in multiple ways in here. For some of us, it's, yeah, we've seen the face of God today. And he is holy, he is powerful. And so as we get into these next worship songs, We're just going to lift our hands or sing or or do whatever just to worship God, saying, God, it's about you, not about me. Thank you for who you are. And we can worship God like that. Some of us, we need prayer. Like like God is prompting something in us. We're going to have a couple up here on your left that would love to pray with you. Anything and everything. Maybe you just want to talk to them about who God is or whatever. They're, They're here. Some of us, we're going to worship God with our tithes and offerings in the, in the back left. Yes, God says, yeah, I've given you everything. Can you give some back? I want to know that even money doesn't have control of your life. Like, I want all of you, all of you. If you have a child in, in Project Kids, I want to ask if you would go and retrieve that, that child with those tags and come back and as a family, we'll just worship God together. But in this place, it's not about what I've said. It's, what about, it's, it's about what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart and in your mind. So I can't articulate that. I trust that God is doing his thing with you in this place. And I just ask you, respond to what he's doing in your life. And let's worship God. Amen.